This is second down on ESPN radio. Christian Gokel, glad to have you hanging out with us here on this Tuesday afternoon. Got a lot of news uh, to dive into here. Uh, just interesting day uh, around the city of Savannah. We have some baseball news to dive into as well in a little bit. Should be joined here soon by a guest, and that is the news of the day. Uh, as Savannah State has finally announced who their new head football coach will be, uh, it will be Aaron Kelton will be the 27th head football coach in the history of the Savannah State football program. He comes down uh, to Savannah State from Howard, where he was most recently the cornerbacks, co cornerbacks coach. I want to make sure uh, that's clear. And I want to make sure that's clear, but a uh, cornerbacks coach at Howard and will now come over and take over as the 27th head coach. Sorry, we are dealing with people running all over the place in the studio right now. But Russell DeMossi, uh, who was the interim coach at Savannah State, one of the four finalists not retained by the staff. And I think that's something uh, we're going to dive into here on the show in a little bit. And we're just waiting here. Uh, I believe we have him with us now. <laughs> As I look at BJ Bennett staring at the phone. I believe we have him with us here now, the 27th head coach uh, for the Savannah State Tigers. Aaron Kelton joins us here on second down. Aaron, thank you for joining the show, man. Thank you for having me. It's, it's, uh, first, off, first off, congratulations. Uh, I, I, I know it's been an interesting process and a little bit late uh, in the game in terms of when these decisions are usually made. So uh, take us through that. What has this process been like in your communications with Savannah State? When did that start? Uh, when did you receive the news? Um, you know, it's been an ongoing process. We know it was, it was pretty extensive in terms of length of time. Um, but the last month has been really ramped up in terms of uh, interviewing uh, with the committee um, and then uh, coming on campus and, and then uh, an additional interview with, with OPO, you know, one-on-one. -on -one and, and then um, – the, the announcement was made, or I was informed that I would be the guy um, last week, and um, now I'm here. So, it, you know, but it, this past month has been, you know, they've moved pretty quickly to, to get all of, the, all of this processed, and, and uh, so it's an, an, an exciting time uh, for all of us, for sure. And not your first head coaching stop, but when you were looking at this job and decided to throw – uh, your name there uh, for consideration. What was it about this job uh, that made you think that, hey, maybe you could be the guy and this is something you wanted to do? Well, it's a great, it's a great university. Uh, they've had recent success, and certainly um, I felt like I could help sustain that, um, you know, as, as we go. And, and then it, it really, you know, appealed to me. The, the region is a, a rich region in terms of recruiting, um, and, and certainly we'll, we'll recruit Savannah and, all, you know, the entire state of Georgia and, and Florida and South Carolina uh, for sure. And, and so um, it seemed like it was, was the right fit. You know, I spent, spent time just praying about it and talking to my wife. And, and uh, you know, God heard my prayer and, and certainly uh, gave me this opportunity. Tell the fans listening now a little bit about your history uh, as a football coach, and then you mentioned uh, your family there. Just a little bit about you. Okay. Well, I'm a, I'm a husband and father for sure, <laughs> and um, you know, life is life is wonderful. I'm originally uh, 
from Boston, but um, started coaching. I've been coaching for 28 years now, I think, um, on on a bunch of different levels. Um, was at MIT, was at Columbia, was at Virginia State, um, was at Concord University, uh, head coach at Williams College, head coach at Shorter University, um, Morgan State University, uh, Howard University, and then now here at Savannah. Um, and so I, I believe I have, you know, a, a solid resume that that would help me in this process and certainly, um, you know, have recruited Georgia for uh, double-digit years now. And, and so um, this just seemed like a, a good fit for me. And we're certainly excited to have you here in the city, but of course, with, with any hiring, is going to come a lot of scrutiny. Uh, and I know one of the things a lot of people uh, have pointed out is is a very unsuccessful term there uh, at Shorter. Uh, I know a, a a school that was transitioning and going through a lot of the time. But to the people out there who look at that 0 and 11 and 0 and 11 seasons there uh, at Shorter and maybe have question marks about man, like is this is this really the person we want taking over a program that, as you mentioned, ha- has seen a lot of recent success? What would you say to that? Um, you know, it, it Shorter was making a transition, and they, you know, their transition into the Gulf South Conference has been one that's been tough. You know, uh, certainly people in this region know uh, about the Gulf South and the, the talented teams in that conference. Um, and we, we, at the time, we had inherited a, uh, a team that had 52 players, um, and so it, it was really about building our roster the first year, basically, and a half, and then. Um, we, we were hoping that the things that we were doing in year two, uh, where we were close to, to getting a couple wins and those things, uh, it didn't come to fruition. But but certainly um, we we were hoping that year three would have would have uh, you know shown the fruits of our labor, if you will. And and so um, we didn't get that year, and and we understand that we accept the responsibilities for that because this business is a is a, a win business, you know. Um, but we're, you know, I I know and, and believe that I'm definitely the right person for this job here at, at Savannah State, and and uh, we're gonna we're gonna sustain the winning that that we have here. Again, they're going through a bit of a transition from coming down from Division One, and so we've got to maintain uh, players and this this portal and and all kinds of things to to make sure that we're still successful. And so we're gonna do that. Aaron Kelton joining us on the show here. He was named the 27th head coach, head football coach at Savannah State uh, earlier this morning. I know anytime a new coach is hired, it's a, it's a joyous experience for people in the administration, an exciting time for the fan base. But I know uh, for the players, this can be a very trying time because when you invest so much of your time and so much of your energy with a person, obviously you're going to develop a lot of emotional connections. Uh, and these guys who put trust into the people that come into their living rooms and say, uh, hey, I'm, I'm going to take care of you uh, for the next four or five years of your life. When they see that person exit, I know it can be an emotional time. And when you have somebody like Russell DeMossi, uh, who took over after Sean Quinn leaves and, and kind of steered the ship for the past four months, for those people who maybe have some raw emotions right now, what do you have to say to them? You know, I, I'm I'm grateful for for all that Coach Demasi has you know did in this program for sure. Um, you know, we, we talked to him about um, any roles that he may want to consider with us, and so uh, that that was out there. Um, <clears throat> but the the thing is, 
you know, transition's hard. It's hard for everybody, uh, certainly. And, um, you know, we're just going to try to be the best and do the best that we can with, with what we have, right? And, um, you know, for, for we just look for, for people who want to support us. We're moving forward in this process, and, and certainly uh, we're looking forward to, to, to making sure that these men that we uh, deal with every day uh, get the, the most of us and the best of us uh, as we go and as they come out, go out into the real world, uh, you know, so we want to make sure that, that we're continuing to build on some of the things that, that they've done here in the past and, and bring some new wrinkles to, to continue that. And so, um, you know, I hope that we can, uh, through our hard work and efforts and people see what we do, that we're able to, to gain their support and they realize, you know, coach Kelton's done a pretty good job and I, and I appreciate him for that. So, uh, speaking of the staff, will any of the previous staff be coming over to this new uh, squad here heading into 2022? Um, we're, we're in the process of evaluating everybody, um, and, and there are a couple guys who, who have been around the program who, who uh, have expressed you know, wanting to uh, continue in the program, and so we're, we're giving them a hard, honest look, and you know, hopefully they'll be around for some continuity and to be able to just talk to you know the the, the players and, and people in our fan base and, and just sharing this excitement that's ahead of us, you know. Um, and, and so there will be a couple guys, and and, and we're gonna we're gonna make the most of it and do the best we can with it. Uh, I've heard a lot of coaches verbalize this. Uh, Sean Quinn, when he took over at the school, uh, Russell, obviously, who played in Savannah and at Georgia Southern, and now Clay Helton, uh, the new head football coach up at Georgia Southern, speak about just the the talent that's around just 100 square miles uh, from where Savannah State is, from where Statesboro is, uh, and just the the immense amount of football players that you can go out and build with. Uh, when you look at this, what you, you, you kind of mentioned having some experience uh, recruiting the state of Georgia before. What's your experience here uh, with South Georgia, uh, and how excited are you to be able to tap this recruiting base? Uh I'm extremely excited to be able to tap the recruiting base of South Georgia and the state of Georgia as a whole. You know, um, you got to turn over every stone and and uh, you know try to find find all those good players. You know, that's important. Uh, players win games for sure, and so we we've got to make sure that that we're out um, when when it's time for us to be on the road. We, we've got to get out and and do our part and represent Savannah State and and Tiger football. Uh, in a great way and, and get some great players. Uh, we're going to recruit Savannah hard. Uh, you know, it, it, like you said, that 100-mile radius is, is uh, extremely important uh, because it, there are a lot of really good players. And so um, and, and we need them, and we're going to try to go get them. Uh, we're not going to uh, slow down one bit when it comes to recruiting. And, and I've already had coaches and and former players and people from the state of Georgia reaching out to me today, uh, expressing that they have some players they want me to look at. So uh, that process has already started for us, and, and we're excited to continue going with that process. You were able to speak to the team this morning uh, before the announcement was officially made. Uh, how, how was that? What was the mood like uh, inside the room, and what were some of the conversations that y'all had? Uh, it was it was a great it was a great experience. It was a chance for them to to get to see me and know and 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 at least eyeball me, okay. And hopefully they hopefully they felt comfortable. Uh, but but what I did for them was really let them uh, dictate the meeting. 
I, I shared some of my, my background and, and who I was and some of my philosophy and, and then had them ask questions because I know that they've been sitting waiting uh, and had a lot of questions, and I wanted to make sure that I, I gave them the, the attention and, and opportunity to ask those questions. And then after um, I probably stayed, you know, in, in the, the, the room with them for another half hour to 45 minutes just answering individual questions, meeting guys, and, and just talking to them about, you know, uh, who I am and, and what I hope uh, happens for them uh, in this program and, and here at Savannah State. So it, it went great. Um, and, and then when I was walking across campus, a couple guys already yelled, hey, Coach, how you doing? Looking good. You know, that kind of stuff. So so that made me feel great. And, and I'm just looking forward to, to uh, you know, every day I walk in the door, you know, and, and being able to work with these these great young men. Aaron Kelton joining us here on the show, named the head football coach at Savannah State earlier this morning. So tell us a little bit about you as a football coach. What are the philosophies uh, that you're bringing here to Savannah State? I know a school uh, that's had a lot of recent success here with kind of that Georgia Southern pistol triple option set and just playing really strong defense there on the other side. Uh, what kind of philosophies are you bringing here to Savannah? Well, we, we hope that we're going to be able to to build on that that uh, pistol style uh, RPO offense um, probably you know, a little bit more and, and try to, we're going to try to incorporate a little bit more pass game in, in, in terms of that, uh, as well as uh, some tempo stuff um, and, and get into some different sets so, so teams can't load the box on us. Um, the, other, the other phase that we're going to be uh, extremely uh, diligent in in terms of uh, everybody being involved is, is our special teams uh, because I think that, that, you know, you can win a lot more games uh, with great special teams, and so we're going to spend a lot of time uh, making sure that that we've got some great wrinkles in, in our special team game, our return game, our kickoff game, uh, punt for sure, and punt return. And then uh, on defense, I think that we're we're going to we're going to stay very disciplined, uh, be fast and physical, run to the ball, um, and and be a pressure type defense. We're going to make teams have to make decisions and make them in a hurry, and and we want to create turnovers and. And uh, create excitement. We want we want it to be an exciting game each and every every play, and and, and we're gonna we're gonna work hard every day to to make sure we can ensure that. I know one of the biggest concerns for most Savannah State fans don't revolve around a singular person, but just kind of how the school's been used and looked at in the past as a, a stepping stone. And I know the administration made that a point. Uh, in this coaching search that they did not want to be used as a stepping stone job anymore. So when you were talking to them about that five-year plan and about the 10-year plan, what are your visions for this program going forward? Well, I, you know, I want, I want us to be able to, to win the SIAC and, and qualify for the, for the national playoffs. I mean, that, that's the ultimate goal for us. Um, and and I'm, I'm here. Like, I, I'm committed to being here. Uh, you know, I, I get it. In terms of uh, opportunities come for people, but that you know, I'm not looking at, at any opportunity other than Savannah State. Uh, I want to I want to make sure that that our legacy here at Savannah State and Savannah State football is is one in which uh, people can just remain excited about uh, and be the talk of, be the talk of the town. Okay, we want to be the small college talk of the town, and and certainly um, you know in this talent rich state. Uh, we want to make sure that every household is saying, you know, have you looked at Savannah State? You know, they got a pretty good program going down there. And so 
Um, and, and I want people to say, you know, Coach Kelton's been, been doing a good job. He's been there, you know, 10, 12 years, and, and they've got some consistency and some, some stability in that program. And so that, that, that's important to me. But also at the same time, I want to be able to, you know, um, work on our fundraising, get, bring some things in here so that our student-athletes, you know, get the best experience possible. Uh, that, is, that is fun for them, but they get a great experience uh, due to our support and, you know, uh, alumni support and, and, and other supports uh, out in the community and that they're, they're able to be a have and not a have-not. You know, that, that's important to me. So, so we're going to work really hard at those kinds of things. Well, Aaron, we appreciate you taking the time on what I know has been a crazy few days. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time with us here, and I know uh, the fans out there listening really appreciate it. We look forward uh, to working with you uh, as this goes because I know uh, just here personally for me and at the people at the station, we, we want to see nothing more uh, than this program thrive because, like I've said since the beginning, it's like, yeah, you can go to Statesboro, you can go to Athens uh, to watch a game, but there's also college football taking place right in our backyard, so – uh, wish you nothing but the best, man, and look forward to working with you going forward. Thank you very much. I appreciate it, Christian, and, and certainly uh, that's a great message to have because there's going to be some great football that's played here at Savannah State. Aaron Kelton, kind enough to join us here on the program. we got more to come here on ESPN Radio. We will be back after this. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel joined now by P.J. Zuko. First off, Beginning of that segment, the opening of the show is terrible. I just want to <laughs> put that out there. We recognize that. All right, so we're going back. We're doing our film study later. Oh, I'm sure shows. it wasn't that Yeah, bad. that was rough. Like, know. you remember Georgia in the opening drive of the national championship where, like, Stetson was, like, fumbling against air and getting sacked and just, like, there was no rhythm? Yeah, that was the opening segment of the show. I'm, I'm, I'm listen, sorry to hear that. We're already... We're already scared of the phone when one line pops up, but... As we were waiting on Coach Kelton to give us a call there, all three lines popped up, and I'm sitting there trying to talk on the radio. B.J. Bennett is giving me his, like, the most horrified expression I've ever seen in my life. I, 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 do, I do love when stuff like that happens because, like, I, I love B.J., and he, he knows it, but it, he, he kind of has, like, he kind of gets locked down sometimes where yeah. he's like, I, I don't know. Zero confidence so, like, around technology. So, like, Zero. I was in the front, and I... I, I Took the call for 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 your guest, obviously, and and put them on hold. And BJ relayed the message, and I was in the front. There's one phone up there, and then the other lines lit up, and I was just like, well, I can't pick it up on this phone because if I pick it up on this phone, then he can't pick it up in the studio. So I had to yeah. like run to the back. It was uh, real, it was interesting. Uh, real tight ship running here. <laughs> just a real advanced futuristic operation we got going on. It's like a spaceship almost. I mean, it with. I'm with, trying to think of the worst spaceship of all time. It probably mm. the least futuristic one. Whatever Neil Armstrong was in, that's what we're rocking that's with. A, that's a solid one. That's yeah. what we're rocking with. Where there's actually like no computers in it, and it was just like a hunk of metal attached to a rocket, <laughs> and they were like, "Let's see if this works." And he's having to do like calculus in his head. Yeah, that's us without the calculus. Listen, there's uh, a lot of lights. I know that much. No, so I want to get your opinion on the news out of Savannah this morning. So Aaron Kelton hired as the head football coach there at Savannah State, and obviously. You can't come after him for being hired. Right. And I'm not saying yeah. they made the right or wrong decision. I've just, uh, the, I guess the thing I am now curious about is what took so long. Yeah. Because it's just, it's, it's awkward. I think is the best way to put it. I think mm -hmm. if you ask OPO there at Savannah State, if you ask anybody else in the administration, 
it's like you you probably didn't want to be a week into spring practice with your interim head football coach before you hire the next head coach. Yeah. I mean, typically you try to get this done pre-signing day. Mm-hmm. And so like, I guess that's the remaining question to me is what took so long yeah. to get this done, but maybe now it, just, it doesn't matter. Uh, I did want to say, and I tweeted this out, you, you got to give Russell DeMossi so much credit. Because, listen, it, it's one of those things where when you're named interim, every day that goes by that you don't have that tag pulled is another day and another percentage added to the fact that you're probably not getting the job at the end of the day. And so it's been really easy. I, I know Russell. I know who he has worked with in the past, uh, the stops that he has made and the relationships that he's developed along the way. Dude could have been gone. Yeah. As soon as Sean Quinn left. Yep. And would have put himself in a better position, but decided to stay around because this is his home. This is where he wanted to be. Uh, and I'm sure he is going to land on his feet somewhere. He's too talented not to. And again, the connections that he have, which inside of coaching, just like anywhere else in life, is massive. The connections that he has, he's going to be okay. But still, this has to be a gut-wrenching day for him. But I want to give credit to the job that he did over these past four months because, again, he was walking in to kids' houses, not as the head coach at Savannah State, as the interim coach. Yeah at Savannah State and having to sell them not on himself because he couldn't guarantee that he was going to be there. Exactly. He had to sell those kids on the opportunity that Savannah State itself presents to them. And he put together a ridiculous class. Exactly. Like, absurd some of the guys that he was able to keep home. And I'm not saying he was like fighting Georgia and Alabama for players, but he was he was fighting the big dogs of D2 and some low-level D1 schools to keep some of these guys home. Mm-hmm. And and how difficult is that when when their parents or e- even they themselves well, look at you and, and ask you? Maybe they don't even have to ask you, but the the elephant in the room is well, how can can, can you give me any kind of semblance that, that you're going to be there? No, I can't. Yeah. But I can tell you how great I think the school is, how great I think the program is, and and why this football program needs you. And like you yeah. said, he did that you know, overwhelmingly an inc- incredible job. And, and brought all those guys in under that uh, umbrella, I guess, uh, under that yeah. elephant and, and in the room the and trans- still did it. With the transfer portal, yeah. as soon as Sean Quinn left, like as soon as a head coach leaves, look at what LSU – you see what's happening at LSU basketball? Yeah. They have I, yeah. zero scholarship players at LSU. Doesn't – yeah. Because of the transfer it's portal mind-boggling. Now. And I understand Division Two, you've been able to go from level to level before with no penalty. With the transfer portal now, the fact that – Russell was able to keep this team together when Sean Quinn announced that he was leaving is absurd. Mm-hmm. And there's a few guys that did hit the portal, but they were guys who were probably going to hit it anyway because they had opportunities to go to bigger schools and have some opportunities to play in some bigger conferences and potentially further their football careers. But, I mean, again, LSU saw their head coach get fired and immediately lost three or four players to the NBA draft and 11 players to the portal and pretty much all of their top commitments have now decommitted. Yeah. And so it, it started to look like the uh, end of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when Will Smith walks in and is just kind of looking around at an empty thing and they're like, I mean, that's very likely can happen to a lot of schools now. I mean, for every Michigan State that you see where they flip around their school by bringing in 27 transfers. True. 
there's in the not too distant future, a football coach is going to get fired and a school is going to rock out with like 40, 50 players heading out there. Yeah. This is, this is just the reality of the situation. And the, the reality of the, the reality of also is, is players, no matter as we were just talking about, right? Selling a, selling a, a school and, you know, committing to the school itself Players flock to coaches. I mean, there, there's a reason uh, why they have such great relationships with them and, and things like that. Like, so when when you have a questionable decision like that, or, or that's unpopular, uh, like the one at I can imagine at, at LSU where everyone's just ready to go now, that's that's kind of what you risk. That's why yeah. everything has has become uh, much more has to be well, much more calculated. To be fair to like LSU, nowadays. when the FBI gets involved. Around your head coach, it's probably oh, probably time to sever ties there. But yeah, still, no doubt. But just the fact that something like that didn't happen—that's right. Savannah State. I think is a credit to Russell. So uh, I just yeah. wanted to give him credit for the job he's done the past four months, and I'm excited to see. I know again, these next few days, weeks are going to suck, uh, but I'm excited to see where he lands because I can guarantee you it's going to be a very positive step. Yeah, uh, for Russell and his coaching career. And, uh, and just I like I want to add this like ahead, it's yeah. it's. It's incredible that he did that in the first place and and stuck around it and also gave it like because we know the family but at the same time just Russell like gave it 150 percent every day because you could tell to be able to keep these this team together bring in the recruits that he did like let's be honest as you said when that interim tag is kind of hovering over your head and any situation in life where your your situation is in question the longer it's in question the more it's possible for you to get discouraged and, and for production to lack because of that. And saw no sign of that either. Just just going in it and doing whatever he could. So, yeah, cr- big credit to him. Just want to include that, too. It's just it's so easy for, for something like that to happen, you know, when you have something like that over, over, hovering over your head. So great job by him. Like you said, can't wait to see where he, where he ends up. Yeah, interested to see what happens now uh, at Savannah State. As they are in the middle of spring practice, at the moment, I know that kind of put on pause uh, as this transition goes into effect, but uh, see who the, some of the coaches they retain, uh, some of the new guys that they hire up there. Uh, and so it's going to be fascinating to see going forward. Said so they're going to play a little bit more uh, of a passing style there at Savannah State when we've seen that triple option attack, you know, come into the SEAC and go undefeated in the SEAC year one. And then last year they go eight and two uh, and barely miss out just by a power ranking. Uh, on going to the playoffs, so it's it's a program that was not headed in the wrong direction. Uh, so interested to see what happens this fall. Uh, Do you see the news of the day there, PJ? Oh, uh, which one? You you mean the uh, the championship from last night? Yeah, big game, huge. I mean, Kansas coming back. No, I'm just kidding. I already know it's what's... about a comeback. <laughs> it is about a comeback. You're right. It's about a comeback. It's about somebody prowling though, not necessarily doing whatever Jayhawks do. Is he prowling anymore? Because all right, we got to talk about this. So Tiger Woods. <laughs> was asked in a press conference today at 11 whether or not he was playing, and he said, as of right now, yes. What you're going, Christian, Christian, what does that mean? As of right now. And yeah, I get emotional <laughs> about Tiger Woods news too, so I get where you're, you're feeling right now. Uh, it, it means if he wakes up on Thursday uh, and his hip, legs, any of that just isn't feeling right or his back's not feeling right, he's not going to play. But as we sit here on Tuesday afternoon and he didn't play a round today. I don't believe, I think he just went out there uh, and hit some range balls and was chipping and putting. Uh, he feels good. Played around with Fred couples yesterday. 
Fred Couples and Justin Thomas. Freddie Couples said he was ripping the cover Woo. off the ball. Out driving. I know Justin Thomas is the longest guy on tour, but out driving Justin Thomas. Yeah. Calm down over that. I see you getting giddy, man. Well, okay, this is leading me to this. He was asked again because Tiger Woods has said before he will not play in a tournament if he doesn't feel like he can win it. And that's not saying like he's going to play in like uncompetitive tournaments just to make sure he wins. It's like, no, yeah. if he doesn't feel like his body is in the right place to go out there and compete to win, he's not going to play. And so he was asked, so do you feel like you can win this tournament? Yes. Mm-hmm. When I tell you, <laughs> I almost ran through a wall. Right. As you should have. As you should have. I'm surprised you didn't just when he announced that, that he was going to be playing or, or, you know, thought as of right now that he would be playing or, or he had the intention to play. But, I, I mean, I second that with, man, it's, it's Tiger Woods, right? It, you know every time he's, he's out there, he's, he's out there to win championships. It, I mean, he, he win everything he can, win the he's major. Like he, becoming like he's not going ethereal. into a tournament. He's not finish. even like a real player anymore. It's like he is like yeah. you're playing alongside a demigod. You know, he's not signing up to be competing on Saturday, maybe, is it? No. Uh, if, we're looking for real, it if we're looking realistically at it, and you know me, I will never say Tiger can't win a tournament. If we're looking realistically at it, I think if he can make the cut and play a full four rounds, that's a win. This yeah. is his first time competing since yeah. he got in that car wreck. Right. Like To expect him to come out there and win... Is it unreasonable? Maybe. Is it unfathomable? No. As many times as this dude has played this course, and as well as it, it seems to fit his game and the magic that he seems to have connected with those grounds, am I going to say it's unfathomable that Tiger Woods wins this thing? No. Like, nobody thought he was going to ever win it again. I yeah. sat here and listened to Kevin, BJ, and Ben all tell me. He's done. Yeah. He's done. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, as much as I joke about it, uh, like if if there's anyone that's in tune with like their tiger sensor or whatever, it I'm gonna listen to you. That's why I ask you this stuff a, all the time. It's not even a tiger sensor, right? It's just it's. <laughs> I've said this before. Until he says he's done, it's like with Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady could be 87 years old. Until he says he's done, I'm never going to bet against him. Right. Because you've there. There's no mathematic equation there's no qualifier there's no comparison that you can do to anything else because none of it makes sense yeah the the rate at which they have won it, it doesn't make sense so i'm not gonna say, i'm not gonna say he's gonna win because of metrics right i'm gonna say it because i'm not gonna say the opposite yeah understandable and so it's not this yeah. like unshaking faith in the aura that is tiger woods because lord knows i love tiger but it's more so it just feels dumb to say anything else. Yeah. Well, and that's what I mean is like, it, you're never going to bet against him, but also like I, I have, again, like what, what I mean by that like sense is I, I do hear whenever I talk to you, of course you get super pumped whenever he's, he's back or in a tournament or whatever. At the same time, when it's like not looking great, you're realistic in that sense where yeah. you're like, it, like, like you're yeah. talking about this weekend. Like you're realistic in that sense. So what, I should have listened to you sooner. And honestly, the, a couple years ago when he won the Masters, I was like, hold on, Christian's like, Christian seems to be really about this. Like, this might actually happen. Boom! And then it was. So that's from that point, There's I was like, that I whatever Christian says about Tiger, yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to listen to him. There's one thing I will <laughs> stick with, and it's you don't want Tiger close on a Sunday. No. Nah, like, yeah. yeah. If you're at Augusta and Tiger's there, you don't, you don't want him close. And I, was, I was trying to tell everybody, those dudes in front of him were going to fall apart. Yeah. Because every time you hit a shot and you get a... 
And then every time he hits a shot, it sounds like you're in the middle of Jordan Hare. Like it's yeah. it's 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 different. I heard someone today say that, that they were talking about that yeah. that win and say it's just the Tiger effect where it's like Have you seen these practice they, rounds? They literally just start messing up because they they know Tiger's around them. Like like you said, Tiger's close. Oh, I have seen multiple golfers at the Masters have to step off of their setup because yeah. Tiger did something stupid and the gallery just lost their minds and the person had to step away from their shot because of how loud it was. But have you seen these practice round pictures? Uh, I mean, some of them. It yeah, looks just, like Sunday. Yeah. Like, he's teeing off in a practice round. Oh, yeah. And I, it's like 14, 15, 16 rows deep. So that one you tweeted out this morning. That is not from a previous Masters. That was from his practice round yesterday. I'm not going to lie. I thought I looked at it pretty in-depth. Like, I looked yeah. at the size, and I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. And then I looked at the back, yeah. like the weight, and I was like, all right, he's he's trolling. Like, he's memeing me. That's fine. I'm not yeah. going to fall for the joke. That's legit. Yo, yeah, it's from yesterday. Okay. All right. It, I you, thought that was for those a of joke. you who haven't seen the picture, it's like it's from the tee box behind Tiger Woods, looking down the hole, and you can see the green uh, down there as well. So about probably three hundred forty yard hole. And am I lying all the way down? Oh, for sure. They they at were at least ten people deep. Yeah, they were in the, the stands were full. Yeah, like that's why that was kind of my signal that like okay, I feel like this is probably a joke because like the stands were full, everyone around the stands was full. Like I could not see. Any point other than trees, I couldn't yeah. see anywhere where there wasn't a fan. So, like you said, I thought that was Sunday yeah. on one of the Masters that he won. Well, you, know? you can but tell it wasn't Sunday because he wasn't wearing red and black. That's true. That was probably my first. Could have been like a Saturday. My, my fault. Could have been like a Saturday, but no, I'm pumped. We saw Tiger walk in with the sunglasses. He was wearing a sweater this morning. It's all the feelings are coming back. I told them on three and out yesterday. I was like, they they were talking about it. Is he going to play? Is he not? Before this was announced, obviously. And I was like, Christian said he's on the prowl and wearing sunglasses, and apparently that's the sign. Yeah, like he's a good. And to Tiger go. if Tiger struts in wearing <laughs> sunglasses. Shut it down. It's over. Shut it down. Speaking of shut it down, we got to take a quick break. We'll come back. We got more to talk about here on second down. We'll be right back after this. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Christian Gokel alongside PJ Zuko. Glad to have y'all hanging out with us here. All right, no more Masters talk. I promise. I promise. Because we'll hey, man, do, listen. We're gonna do our Masters draft tomorrow, so I don't want to. Okay. I don't take that, that'll time. be fun. But I do want to hit this with you because Anthony Trace is gonna join Three and Out coming up here in a little bit. Uh, he's with PFF, good friend of our program, and he might not be a good friend of mine anymore if this comes true huh. uh he just put out his new mock draft you can see it on pff.com he's the atlanta falcons taking desmond ritter at number eight overall that's great in the second round number eight yeah overall too much Ugh. pj when i tell you there's a lot of stuff going on right now <laughs> all right there's a lot there's a lot when i tell you my sanity will snap if the Falcons draft Desmond Ritter, you know what? Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's not actually no. sanity that I have. Maybe it's sports fandom lunacy that I have. And maybe this will just be the breaking point, and I can just come on here uh, and basically do political talk or uh, <laughs> home and garden talk. And, and if you guys, you guys eventually have to fire me because it doesn't make sense that I'm talking about uh, better ways to get your lawn ready uh, for winter. When I'm on here, but eventually you guys would have to make that decision. And I understand that. Okay. But if the Falcons draft Desmond Ritter at yeah. number eight, I'm done. Like not with football, with sports. With well, with that being said, um, I'm I'm gonna with you. 
I'm going to head up to Atlanta. Okay. Uh, you can handle the rest of the show. I think we only got, you know, some, some time left. I'm going to head up to Atlanta and, and talk to them in person and try and convince them not to do that because uh, I, I need you here, man. I'm so, hoping, and I hate, to do this, <laughs> I hate to do this, but it is what it is. Insider stuff, and most people know this, when you get this close to the draft, every mock draft that's possible has come out. And so eventually, I'm just going to say what it is. You do clickbait. Mm-hmm. You put something out where you have the picture, the cool graphic of Desmond Ritter out there where he's on the front and you're like, oh, they have Desmond Ritter going somewhere crazy. Like, I've only seen him projected for like maybe late first, but for the most part, late second, early third round. Why do they have Desmond Ritter up there? Let me click on that. Holy cow. <laughs> Desmond Ritter at number eight. It's actually that there. That is crazy. Maybe he I was... mean, look what we're doing right now. We're talking about it. Exactly. Well, like you said, and and I think Todd McShay does this, for, for instance. I think he alternates. Like, I think he has one legit one and then one goofy one, and then he just kind of goes back the and one forth. That I'll, the person who I'll say, like, usually sticks to their <laughs> guns on this, actually two. Uh, Mel Kuyper usually sticks to his guns. Yeah, he doesn't do the weird, yeah. like, post-Tuesday burrito mock draft <laughs> where he's like, I had a burrito, so now I have a different thought. Uh, he usually <laughs> He usually sticks to his guns. And then Charlie Campbell... Uh, who we have on from Walter Football, who for like three out of six years out of like every media member has gotten the most correct exactos yeah. on uh, the the draft picks there. Like So that means you got the number right and the team right. Uh, he usually sticks to his guns pretty well too. And for the most part, I've seen three names associated with the Falcons. Drake London. Yeah. I've seen Ikum Ukwanu. Right. And for whatever reason... Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, falling all the way down. Yeah. All the way down to the Falcons. For reasons that scare me, and I hate like when stuff like this happens, but I do love when you get like the the anonymous coaches. The reason he's falling a lot is apparently just like effort. Really? Yeah, and it's they say if you go watch the tape, like he has the flash plays, but also when he starts getting slapped up a little bit by a big old tackle, he just kind of disappears. And so my question is, do we need another Vic Beasley? Right, yeah, and that is that is a big problem, without a doubt. I preach, uh, I mean, we talk about football. I preach about like effort and whatever a ton, just like just like you do. But at the same time, you know who else had had kind of that for whatever reason, kind of had that, Jadavion Clowney. And while he hasn't been like you know the best defensive player every single year, like he's he's still a monster in the NFL. Yeah, but, so, it's like, but like what I've heard about, like I've heard Clowney could like disappear at times, but like what I've been reading about Thibodeau is like just mentally isn't in it for a lot of games, uh, and then like does he actually love this? Yeah. They said, like okay. when you hear him talk like about things outside of football, like does he actually love football? And I hate doing that. Like, I hate like trying to look at somebody's heart because you, you can't really do that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're making a multi million dollar investment. That's kind of scary to me and maybe why he's slipping here a little bit. Everybody says he's got an amazing first step and probably the most explosive edge rusher, but when it comes to the the effort, maybe leaves a little bit to be desired. So I don't know, man. This is nervous. I don't feel like there's any great way to, to do this for the Falcons. I think the only way I'll be happy is if they just take like the best uh, offensive lineman available, and I'll, I'll, I'll be kind of okay there. Or Kyle Hamilton. Give me Kyle Hamilton, and, and I'll be happy. we got to take a quick break. We'll come back get you ready for three and out next. All right, three and outs coming up next. Sorry to Anthony Trace for calling the mock draft clickbait. If it's really what he believes. Listen, when, when you put stuff out there like that in the ether, 
All right. You got to take the good. You got to take the bad. I was talking to a buddy about that the other night. Like, listen, you're going to talk about it. You got to be about it. All right. So don't put, nix it. Don't nix it. You know <laughs> all right. All right. All right. You, you say Desmond Ritter's going number eight. Maybe it's just he saw the red and black and was like, you know what? He'll look good there. Well, if you're talking about Falcons <laughs> drafting from teams that wear red and black, then you obviously haven't been following the Falcons very long because that's something they are diametrically opposed to. Uh, <laughs> that being said, three and out coming up next. Ben Troop, BJ Bennett taking you uh, to six o'clock coming up tonight, breaking down uh, the national championship from last night and then absolutely talking about potential Falcons draft picks. That's all coming up next.